Welcome to Funding the Dream, the number one podcast for the number one crowdfunding platform, Kickstarter. Now here's your host, Richard Bliss. Welcome to the show. I'm Richard Bliss, the host, and I want to say thank you very much for listening and being a fan. So many of you have reached out to me and sent encouragement through Facebook, through Twitter, and a variety of other means of contacting me to just say how much you appreciate this show and the impact that it's had. And so thank you very much. There's nothing more exciting than to be able to go to a convention and have friends who I don't know walk up to me and thank me. And many of you have done that, and I appreciate that very much. And one of the things I wanted to mention before we get started with my guest is that if you are new to Kickstarter and listening to the show, I would recommend that you take an opportunity to go to lynda.com. That's L-Y-N-D-A.com. And there's a course there that you can listen to, Kickstarter Essentials. You sign up for the course. I think lynda.com runs about $25 a month. You can listen to all their courses. They have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of content out there. You can take a listen and find out what's going on. And I have a, a Kickstarter Essentials course out there that walks you through the basics that you can take a look at. And again, another shout out to my Patreon backers who have made this show possible. Patreon.com slash Richard Bliss is where you can go out. And I would encourage you and ask you humbly to continue to make contributions there so that we can continue to bring you great content. All right, enough with the promos. Let's talk to our guest. And interesting enough, my guest, who's been on the show many times, was profiled in my lynda.com Kickstarter Essentials course because when that was being recorded, his campaign was running. My guest is always the most favorite of all my guests, Jamie Stegmeyer. Jamie, thanks for joining me on the show. Hey, Richard. Great to talk to you today. It's been a while. We haven't talked uh, for a while. Lots of things have happened that have been going on in the Kickstarter space, in your activities. Let's talk a little bit about... First of all, for those who don't know who you are, which is going to be a very small number of my listeners, not because I have a small number of listeners, but just because <laughs> you've become that well-known. Jamie, tell people a little bit about how do you describe when you walk up to somebody in the street or the elevator and they say, what do you do? What do you tell people? I tell people I run a board game company called Stonemeyer Games, and I write a lot about Kickstarter and crowdfunding on my blog, and I have a Kickstarter book that came out last year as well. You did, and I have a signed copy. Thank you very much. You do, yeah. <laughs> yes, I appreciate that. And so when somebody's in the elevator and you say that, you've got to get a strange look. Yeah, I was at a wedding a couple of days ago, that, and it came up. It's a strange look, but I think it's also pretty unique, and so it, it generates a lot of good conversation. I'm sure it does. And so when you say that, I know the look because – as I mentioned to people sometimes that I'm involved in the board game space and Kickstarter space, you get that funny, like, really? Uh -huh. Right? Incredulous. And particularly, what do you tell them about when you say that you own a board game company? What's that first question that comes up in the answer that you usually give? Um, what's it with at the wedding? I think people are usually surprised that enough people play board games that there are companies springing up around the industry. That you can actually make a living as a board game. Yeah. And... There's a whole lot of board gamers out there that are quite jealous that you can make a living <laughs> as a board game designer and board game company. But it hasn't always been that way. You've been in the space now, I think, how long? Three years? My first board game campaign was in August of 2012. Okay. So we're looking at three and a half years, coming up on four years, actually, just yeah. a couple of months. Yeah. Four years ago. Man, things have changed so much in those four years. They have, yeah. With my company and with Kickstarter as a whole, my first campaign was for Viticulture. It had a little under 1,000 backers and raised about $65,000. My latest campaign raised uh, close to $2 million. 
And even more important, you had 17,000 backers. Yeah, over 17,000 backers. Yeah, so that's my company's growth. But as you mentioned, Kickstarter itself has changed a ton too. Yeah, we saw just uh, for those who aren't following, Kickstarter just recently announced their lifetime pledge levels based on category. And a surprise to none of us, maybe, but tabletop or game, the game category came out on top. And a lot of people assume that's the video games are driving most of that growth, but that's just not the case, is it? It isn't. Yeah. There's many, many more board game campaigns than video game campaigns. I think the number that we saw was at $500 million. $500 million has been pledged to games on Kickstarter in the life of Kickstarter. Yeah. And it's number one. It's the number one category ahead of technology, ahead of film, ahead of music, ahead of anything that you think might do better. But games are just driving this engine. A half a billion dollars reminds me of the Facebook movie when the Justin Timberlake character says, a million dollars is not cool. I'll tell you what, it's cool. A billion dollars. That's cool. (laughs) And we're approaching at this rate because it's picking up speed because back when the show first started in 2011, that year, only $2 million was successfully funded pledged on Kickstarter. And yet between 2011 and now we're looking at $500 million. It's just, it's picking up speed and and who knows where it's going to stop. Yeah. Well, we're going to ride this wave, aren't we? We are. Yeah. Let's talk then. You recently, this is something else that uh, I want my listeners to know. StoneMeyerGames.com. You have a blog that you have faithfully kept on a regular basis. That is just your normal blog. I think what you've been going about eight years now, haven't you, with your blog on a daily basis? Yeah, my personal blog is jamiestegmeyer.com. Actually, it's great that we're talking today. Today is the nine-year anniversary for the first entry on that blog. My Kickstarter blog is about four years old. Nine years you've been blogging every day? Uh, Five days a week. Five days a week, every day. Do you know that there's a stat out there called the Participation Inequality whatever, participation inequality, what it's called. You can Google it, look it up in Wikipedia. And what it is, is it it points out, it's called the 99-1 rule. Have you ever heard that rule? No, I haven't. What is that? The 99-1 rule, it's the number 90, the number nine, and the number one. 90% of participants in a community are lurkers. 9% occasionally participate and 1% are very active. And you'll see this in any church group. You'll see this in a club. You know, you've got your hyperactive people. And then you've got your general people who kind of show up. And then you've got your lurkers who are out there, but aren't paying attention. And it's called the participation inequality formula. And it plays heavily because in online communities, online voting, polls, whatever it might be, you often then get this skew Mm -hmm. of the vocal minority who do not represent the vast majority of people. And that's what it's called the 99-1 rule. And uh, what's interesting is that that rule then drives so much activity that's going on with what's happening out there with activity, whether it's people commenting on on your Kickstarter campaign, participating, that type of thing. And it certainly is driving a lot of activity. That was actually last month. My most read blog entry was about the vocal minority and the, the impact that they have and the, the fact that there is a silent majority that also has an opinion. They just don't express it or maybe they don't care. They do care. What's interesting is they do care, but they don't care to the point of participating. I always say that one comment is worth a thousand page views. Yeah. Right? Because if you can get somebody to say something, that moves them from the 90% to the nine. And what's interesting is online communities like Twitter, Facebook, and that type of thing, it's actually a 95% 
5% and 0.1% participation. And that brings up your blogging. One of the stats they use in their research is that there are 55 million blogs out there, yet only one-tenth of 1% of those people participate in blogging every day. Oh, really? And you're one of those. I'm one of the, I guess so, yeah. So about 55,000 people blog every day, if we don't count the weekends, uh, blog every day. And uh, I realized, I know four individuals who are part of that 55,000, which is a huge number (laughs) of people. You being one of them, my brother blogs every day, has for several years. Uh, Howard Taylor, who's been on the show many times, has been doing it for 15 years, I think. He not only writes every day, but creates a cartoon comic strip every single day for the last 15 years, I think, 14 years. Wow. So nine years you've been blogging. You've got great content out there. But one of the things that you just recently blogged about, and it fell under your Kickstarter blog, and that was this punishment for moving to Facebook. And this was an interesting topic that came up because you kind of asked your audience if they feel punished because you've moved some of your content over to Facebook. Yeah, specifically I've moved, I've tried to consolidate conversations about my games onto Facebook groups that are focused on those games. So there's like a Viticulture and Tuscany Facebook group. There's a Scythe Facebook group. There's a Euphoria Facebook group. And so instead of managing those conversations in a dozen different places, and I'm still on Board Game Geek, but the conversations that I manage are on Facebook. Yeah, I've migrated it all there. I was a little surprised by, I guess, the vocal minority who spoke up and said, I'm not on Facebook. Why are you punishing me for not being on Facebook? Because I want to be a part of that conversation too. So what drove you for the decision to move your content, this conversation to Facebook? What was driving that? Obviously, you did not want to punish some of these people that you didn't even know. Exactly. Yeah. Punishment to me is a word that says that I'm actively seeking to hurt people, which is definitely not my intent. Rather, I perceive Facebook groups as one of the best ways to have a conversation about a specific topic because anyone can join in the conversation. You can post photos, you can post videos, anyone can start a new thread. It's easy to jump from thread to thread. It's easy to get notifications about your comments. So altogether, it seemed like a good package, a good place to do that. And it took me a while to come to that. I've I've inched along. It wasn't an overnight decision. So the conversation went that these people are saying, well, I'm not on Facebook. Now I can't participate. Right, right. And what was your response? And then they took it a little, you know, escalated emotionally by saying that you were, uh, intent was to punish, which obviously it wasn't, but that part of it was they, they were trolling you. How do you respond to that? Well, it seemed like some of the knee jerk reactions were that people would no longer have access to any content about those games. And I'm I'm not sure where that comes from. It it definitely isn't true. I I talk about stuff on Twitter, on my e-newsletter, on my blog, on BoardGameGeek, on Kickstarter, on YouTube. There are all these different places where I do talk, but I've tried to use each of those platforms for a specific thing. And so even if someone is on Twitter and YouTube and BoardGameGeek, I think maybe they felt like if I was focusing the conversation on Facebook and they weren't on Facebook, that I was... They were missing out. They were missing out, which is true. They are missing out, but in my mind, that's their decision. I'm not charging money for them to show up on Facebook. There's no barrier to entry to be on Facebook. There are 1.6 billion people on Facebook. So I'm not blaming them for not joining, but it seems like that's an element of personal responsibility. It's their choice if they're going to join that conversation or not. Are you going to change your behavior because of this? Because of the... This vocal group of people who stepped up and said, look, I want to participate, but I'm not going to join Facebook to participate. And your response is going to be... My response is, no, I'm not going to change my behavior. I think the only thing I'll change is the message that the next time that I 
communicate that message to say uh, on a Kickstarter update that I say that for now on, we're going to talk about this on Facebook. I'm going to emphasize that there are still many different ways to get information about that product, but it's just the conversation itself will happen on Facebook. You have been very good at going to where your audience is, Mm -hmm. right? So let's just go down a quick list here in our last few minutes of where people can find information about you. We just talked about jamiestegmeyer.com for your personal blog, right? Stonemeyer.com. Is that the best place to go to find the Kickstarter blog? Yeah, it's stonemeyergames.com or the same link works if you go to kickstarterlessons.com, the same website. Okay, so kickstarterlessons.com, that's another place. Mm -hmm. You mentioned a bunch of places on Facebook. What are we talking about on Facebook? So I have a Stonemeyer Games Facebook page that I mainly use for kind of big – that's more for announcements. And then I have Facebook groups on Kickstarter. Like there's a – like I said, the Viticulture in Tuscany Facebook group. I don't even run the group. I just participate on it. And that's a place where if you're passionate about viticulture, you can go there and talk about it or ask questions or post photos. And what was this last group that you just talked about? The last group... No, the one we're talking about, the one that you created. Oh, this was a a one for Treasure Chests. So Treasure Chests is a product I make that's kind of... There are multiple product lines in it now. And I've run two campaigns on Kickstarter. I ran the most recent campaign on my website. So instead of having all these disparate conversations, many of which are shared by the same people... I put it all in the same Facebook group for them to all the, to convene and talk in one place. And that was specifically for the treasure chest. Yes. Yeah. And then your Twitter handle? I do Jamie Stegmeyer and Stonemeyer Games. They're, I run both of them. And I'm on YouTube. And you're on YouTube. What's your YouTube channel? That one. <laughs> search for Stonemeyer Games on YouTube and you'll find it. Right. The handle itself is a very old handle that I can't ever get rid of for some reason. Okay. It's an old nickname. And that should be a caution to those people who are yeah. creating, right? Is that those social handles will live with you forever. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And so if you were a Pokemon fan and you named your handle Pokemon, <laughs> then uh, you might look for an alternative. And then do you participate in LinkedIn? Yeah, you've advocated it. LinkedIn is, I guess, almost where I've drawn the line where I'm like, okay, I'm already on all these other things. How can I take on one more thing? But you're a big advocate of it. What do you feel about in LinkedIn? I'm on it. I just don't have a blog on it. Well, I'm a big advocate because oftentimes in my line of work, dealing with executives who don't have the time, effort, energy, interest in creating an individual website for a blog, that LinkedIn now is a perfect opportunity. And it it drives home the value that you've identified. Go where your audience is. And if you have something to say, the blogging that's now available on LinkedIn allows you to create these blogs and then share it with the audience the network that you've already built up on LinkedIn. So it's kind of a natural reason to be there. In your case, though, you have built up this brand outside of LinkedIn in the gaming industry. And I have a lot of my contacts on LinkedIn are in the gaming industry, but most of them have real jobs. Right. And I hate to say that because it sounds a slight demeaning, but I think all of us know what that means. And so it's hard for me to talk about gaming on LinkedIn I can talk about other things, marketing, the business I'm in, I'm in the storage business, technology, that type of thing. But you find these other places where you've identified Facebook is a great place to create these groups. Although there are some groups on LinkedIn as well that you can do. They're a little bit more difficult to manage. Right, right. This, I think, has been one of the successes. And then I think that after the overall success that you've identified, and you mentioned something I want to follow up with. I'm talking in fragmented sentences here. But one is that you had you have a mailing list also that, yes. that you have meticulously built over these last four years that has allowed you to be able to communicate directly when you wanted to share something. That's been huge. Yeah. Right now, we're up to about 
20,000 subscribers, all of who have opted into it. It's their choice to opt in. And I use that for big monthly announcements or whenever I do a new campaign, I send them a notice. And that campaign, you just mentioned that you did a campaign on your website. And I imagine that you must have mailed that out. I'm really interested in talking about that. Can we talk about that the next time you come back? Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. All right, Jamie, always a pleasure. Thank you very much for joining me on the show to kind of share a little bit about uh, your thoughts on, uh, particularly in this case, the Facebook thing. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks, Richard. You've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. My guest has been Jamie Stegmeyer, owner of Stonemeyer Games, a prolific blogger that you can find at, what was it called? Kickstarterblog.com? Kickstarterlessons.com. Ah, Kickstarterlessons.com. And uh, take a look, take a read. He's got great content. And I want to say thank you to Jamie for being my guest. Thanks for listening. Take care. Our intro and exit music is Orientation by Bureaucratic. You can listen to more of their music at soundcloud.com slash bureaucratic. Thanks for listening. Take care.